You're listening to a Give Me Five podcast special edition with Aaron and Matt from the Matter Rebate. Through Time With You. That is a brand new track from the Matt O'Ree Band with Aaron O'Ree on vocals. You can pick up this track and several others at mattoreeband.com. Now, recently I had a chance to see these guys put on a great show in Orlando, and afterwards I asked them if I could interview them. They graciously said yes. After a little bit of time to make room for a couple other things I had to do, I finally got the chance to do so. Now, Aaron and Matt... They are a New Jersey-based band. They are a blues band, as you could probably tell. Insanely talented. They've toured with John Bon Jovi. They've played with Billy Corgan, written so- or recorded songs with Bruce Springsteen. And you heard the results at the beginning of the show, and there'll be another track at the end of the show. Insane talent, and I was lucky to have a chance to talk to them. Well, guys, as promised... I am here with Aaron O'Ree and Matt O'Ree from the Matt O'Ree Band. Welcome, guys. Hey. hey. Good to be here with you. So for all of the listeners out there, I'm just going to give just a little, re- like, how I know you guys. So not too long ago, uh, Aaron came through the school that I teach at and was super awesome and invited us out on graduation night to a show that she was performing in Florida and... I will admit, I'm all, I try to support my students as much as possible, but I'm always nervous <laughs> when it's, when it's music because I have, I have been to some shows <laughs> that are either not my favorite type of music or not practiced. We'll say that. Right. <laughs> and now that I'm, you know, a little older and wife, kid and all that stuff, I, I don't have many opportunities to get out of the house. So I got the link. I Googled it. And the first thing that I heard, was your rendition of a Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> and I will tell you that the vocals were spot on and I the hair on my arm stood up. I got chills. I was like, okay, I'm going to this. And I texted my wife immediately and like, can I go out Friday night? <laughs> I'm glad she let you out. Yeah. So it was awesome. And then I you know, I did a little more research. I checked out the Matter Reband and there was a live clip of, oh shoot, it was, uh, I had it open on my screen too and I lost it. There's a live, oh, of uh, Saints and Sinners. That was awesome. And it was, that was awesome. And so I was like, okay, I got to go. I got to meet these people. And it was just a great, fun night. So that's all I want to talk about about myself. I want to talk to you guys. So first of all, let's, uh, I guess let's start off with just your musical backgrounds. How did, how did all of this come together? Matthew? <laughs> Uh, which which part uh, the, the the merging of the M and the E or <laughs> <laughs> or individual? I guess we'll let's I guess we'll start off just in time. Like when when did both of you guys start with an affinity for music or start playing music? I um, mean, it was I'm sure both of us. I could speak for both of us. 
it was, you know, definitely at the earlier ages of, you know, hanging out with our parents and, you know, their influence of music and stuff like that. But, um, if, you know, if I, I grew up in a house where my parents were both uh, huge Elvis Presley fans and, uh, and Willie Nelson fans, which are kind of apples and oranges, really. But, um, you know, looking back on that, like, what a great foundation for music for myself growing up that I had no idea that was going to turn into me playing an instrument and pursuing it as a career. But that's mm-hmm. really where it started for me, you know, um, and what, what great influences to have for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I, I know Aaron's, Aaron's experience was a bit different musically because it was more vocalists. I think not that Will Nelson and Elvis Presley aren't, yeah, but uh, for me, it, it led to the guitar, and for her, it led to vocals. Well, because in my family, we all sang around. You know, my grandfather playing the guitar. Every time we would all get together, we we would just sing. So I had like this crazy obsession with singing. My mom sings, my dad sings, my aunt sings, my grandmother sings. Like everyone in my family sings. So there's no way I wasn't going to be singing. <laughs> Man, Emily Parties must have been a blast. Yeah. Okay, so early age, and I didn't mention this at the beginning. I'm I'm sorry. Aaron, vocalist, of course, and Matt is a guitarist. So you grew up around music. You guys were playing it. At what at what point um, did you guys decide, like, you know what, this might actually be a thing that I could do for a living? I love doing it, and I could get paid for it. I mean, yeah, that was that was always the hopes and dreams, obviously, and we're fortunate enough to to uh, have gotten there too, of course. But, um, I mean, me for, for instance, the guitar, you know, was always just such a love for, for the sound of it. Um, I never, you know, again, never really thought that it would be turned into a career, you know, but I mean, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because even when I was in high school, like I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, I, I just didn't know how far it would actually go, you know? Gotcha. But uh, my my dad also played guitar too, which was another inspiration. On top of the you know musical uh, record collection that we used to listen to all the time. And what was the record your brother bought you? My well, my brother bought. He came home with "Are You Experienced" from Jimi Hendrix, and and that that was that that was the absolute because we really be, you know before that um, again my parents' record collection was you know. Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and mostly country guys, which I loved. But then hearing the guitar being played like that was, you know, was absolutely, you know, eye opening. And I didn't even know music, music even existed like that, you know, prior to hearing Hendrix. And then from Hendrix, it was Zeppelin. And then of course everything else on down the line um, in the history of, of guitar players. But it was, you know, it was definitely that record that made me want to absolutely do that for a living. That is a great starter record for, <laughs> for wanting to be a guitar. You know, I I still listen to it all the time. I, I still have my I still have the original vinyl record that that he bought. I still have it. I still I still play it. It doesn't sound as good as it used to because we probably played it for a thousand bazillion times. But um, <laughs> it, it's still one of my one of my all time favorite records for sure. And I think in my house, my my dad like had one record, and it was okay. Neil Diamond, the jazz singer. So awesome. here I am, <laughs> here I am, like this, you know, what 
six, seven, eight year old that knew all of the words to the jazz singer. Uh, my mom actually her her taste was a little more R and B. So nice. So we'll we'll talk about blues in a little bit because the, there was I did have a gateway to blues, and I know that there's a lot of blues influence um, as well as some of the other things, the country and stuff like that, in your music, which I love. Sure, uh, Aaron. What was your what was your I guess gateway into that? Do you, do you remember your first album? My first. I never had a vinyl album. Don't make fun of me. Well, I were that, I, that just means that you're like a youngster. <laughs> I had cassette tapes and then CDs when I was a little girl, and I think I was just in that in between era because vinyl's back in style now. Mm-hmm. But I've <laughs> now I'm an adult and I've never had a vinyl record. I think vinyl outsold all other. Like maybe yeah. this year for the first time and since like the nineteen eighty six or something. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, crazy. And that was I'm right. I'm not going to say exactly, but right around the time I was born. <laughs> so, well, okay, so what was your first tape then? My first tape. Um, my first tape was an oldies, uh, greatest hits, and it had like all these cool, like old school soul songs on the, on there. So that was where I first learned about Jackson five and Stevie wonder and all those people it was from that first tape. And I played that tape till it like burned a hole through it's it. It's so crazy that it both completely lines up like a guitar album and like <laughs> a, a vocalist. Album. That's, that's really cool. I love when that stuff kind of works out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. A, Aretha Franklin was on there. It was a mix of all that kind of nice. stuff. My my first tape I ever went out and bought was Europe, The Final Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and uh, uh, Genesis, Invisible Touch. Those were both. Those were the... That's awesome. Yeah. And I think the sec- the second one, I believe, was Slippery One Wet, which, again, we're probably going to have to talk about that momentarily as well. <laughs> okay, so both you guys love music. Start realizing you have talent in music. And do you remember your first paying gigs? Huh. I don't know. I do. I uh, I think I was 10 or 11, and my mom bought me all these karaoke tracks. <laughs> and I would sing. So I had this little tiny PA system, and I would set up the CD player and a microphone, and I would sing along to these tracks for, like, private parties. Oh, wow. And I think I made 100 bucks, and I was so psyched. And I'm still getting paid the same amount to this day. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. I was like eleven at hundred dollars was like so much money. I'm you and you said you don't remember that. You know, it's, I'm, there was a couple of gigs I think I did when I was nineteen up in Manhattan with um, one of the owners of the Wonder Bar, which is a kind of famous club in Asbury Park. Uh, Lance Larson is his name. And I think I play, I played guitar for him for a few gigs, and we were supposed to get paid, <laughs> but I don't think we actually did get paid. <laughs> but, that, that's like a thing a lot, right? Like that happens. Yeah. It happens more than it should, from what I've heard. I mean, it doesn't happen to us much anymore, but when you're starting out, yeah, for sure. Well, and when you go to st- strange places where people don't know you, sometimes it'll still happen. Or in like a big city like New York, one time my backup singer almost punched out the door girl because we brought all these people and she's like nope you don't get any money and i was like oh cool <laughs> so now now if that happens i'll just back the car right up and we'll just start taking liquor bottles and that's how it's going to work <laughs> uh so so okay so yeah you do you're doing it for trade or bar- barter system yeah 
Yeah, you're not going to pay us, then they're going to, they're going to something. <laughs> We're getting paid. So, um, but I, I think my real paying, I think one of the first paying ones, we had filled in for a friend of ours. His band couldn't do the gig, and he's like, "Hey, I can get you this gig." And was was one of the first gigs that the Mattlery band ever really had. And the owner was okay with it, us, you know, sub, subbing out. They were uh, subbing for this band. And I remember playing there and the people hated us. <laughs> and, uh, there was probably like 10 people at the bar and like nobody clapped and nobody cared. And, and, and then the, the owner was having, a, you know, hemming and hawing, you know, paying us at the end of the night, but we did get paid. And, and, and that was the last time, first and the last time we ever played there. Was it, was it the same genre? I thought that we were similar genres, but you know, it was like my first gig, you know, playing as a blues trio. So tying into your uh, the influences, what you were talking about before, um, it was my first stab at this. So I'm sure that we weren't all that well polished or well or that great. <laughs> you know, it's, Wait, was that the uh, blues hounds? Yes, it was the blues hounds. Yeah, um, Matt had a band. Called the Blues Hounds. Man. Yeah, it was the first version of the band called the Blue, the Blues Hounds, and then it became Matt O'Ree and the Blues Hounds, and then it just became Matt O'Ree, and now it's the Matt O'Ree Band. Just to you know, give some credit to the rest of the band too, as well. Nice. That's me. You're you're the band. <laughs> <laughs> that will actually that was one that was going to be my next question. Actually, was the the progression of the band names. Of I I happen to love the Blues. And that was that was the other little thing I was hinting at. Little me, I grew up in the '80s, so a lot of what I listened to back then was you know Motley Crue and all that kind of stuff. And then it, then I fell in love with Pearl Jam, and I heard this song that wasn't on an album, which I'm sure you guys know, but Yellow Lead Better. Yeah, super super bluesy, and I heard it on a B side of something, and I was listening to it over and over again. And I think that was the first time my mom ever popped into the room and was like, "What are you listening to?" that's that was that one connection point and i was like well this is pearl jam which she had she bought the album for me i was like 11 so she knew what it was well i think it was like 14 but whatever and that's when she was like okay you need to listen to this and this and this and this and you know she janice joplin and hendrix and i was just hoping that she would have done hendrix because you know letter led better is highly influenced by hendrix there's no doubt of of that guitar riff yeah yeah, and there was like you know, Little Wing, of course, yep. and oh, which is like one of, the, in my mind, one of the best songs ever. Um, brilliant two minutes and 11 seconds. Yes, which is odd, oddly enough, the first time I ever heard that song was Skid Row performing it, which is not what anyone would expect. And I think they did like a five minute version of it. Sure. But yeah, so like that's, you know, I, that's where I went from being like metalhead kid in high school that would not hear any other music because I couldn't to like wait a second, what's this blue stuff? And then I, of course, fell in love with Steve Ray Vaughan because he was in the news for all the wrong reasons around that time. Yeah. Well, he was my reason for falling in love with blues, too. Oh, really? Yeah, the first, uh, sadly, the first time I heard him was when the accident happened. But um, yeah, I've, and I've, I've actually even gone up to uh, Wisconsin. The, I forget the venue up there, but I've actually been up there. It's, it's a beautiful place, but there's a little bit of a sadness when you're there. I'm sure, yeah. I think, so, it's, I think it's called Alpine Valley. Yes, that's what it is. You guys mentioned the bands. So let's go to where how you guys got together and formed, well, you and the band. So how did that happen? 
I met Aaron in 2006, ironically enough, at the same venue, the one, the Wonder Bar I just mentioned earlier. Um, I had just won a, a Guitar Center guitar competition, one of the first that they ever had, and it was all based on upon blues. So it was called the King of the Blues Guitar Competition. Um, and the, it was, uh, there was over 4,000 applicants, uh, and I wound up winning the whole thing. So it kind of like really gave a nice little boost in, in my own little home, you know, my career even here at home. And of course, you know, other places too. Um, and about that time is when I had, uh, right after that is when I had met Aaron at the wonder bar. Yeah. You just got back from that. Yeah. I remember whoever I was with was like, that's Matt O'Ree. He just won that guitar center thing. I was like, Oh, cool. I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Were you performing at the time, Aaron? Um, Yeah, we actually both performed the same show that day. So there was a Wonder Bar event where they had a bunch of different acts. And I think I played and then Matt played an act or two after me and I stayed and watched. And then I went up and I said... Wow, you're awesome. <laughs> I was just going like to ask, was there that like Dreamweaver moment where like everything else got fogged out and like sparkles appeared around him as he was playing and you're like, ooh. <laughs> Pretty much. Nice. For me. Well, Matt didn't know I existed. Yeah, I did. <laughs> no, he was like standing with the bar by himself and I went and introduced myself. So how far after this meeting did you guys actually start, like, I guess, playing together, recording together, performing together? I'm not sure how that works. I mean that that actually didn't come for quite some time. Really, it was more just us hanging with each other, and we, you know, would run into each other at different events that we happened to be playing. Really, the same kind of scenario as how we started. You know, so um, yeah, we'd play the same events, or we were friends for a long time. Yeah. Okay. We would like hang out every now and then, kind of like dated a little bit on and off. Loosely. Loosely. (laughs) (laughs) That was like nine years before we started officially dating. Yeah. Interesting. Jersey seems like a really tight-knit community. Yeah, at least, you know, especially where the town that we live in, or actually the town that we frequently play called Red Bank, there's a a real big, you know, musician community, and then that extends also into Asbury Park and – you know, the, the resurgence of that town, the fact that they were ap- actually able to put it back together after all the years of it being corrupt mm-hmm. and people just stealing the money and not doing anything with the town. They finally, you know, it's, it's so great to see it. So but it, anyway, there's a really great, you know, community of musicians that kind of like try to compare it to like a Seattle kind of thing where it was like all these bands, you know. Are, every place you go now, there's a, a duo, trio, or a full band playing almost all the time, at, everywhere. You know, so it's it's you know, New Jersey's always been, a, especially the Jersey Shore, it's always been a hotbed for musicians and work, and and it's gotten even better now. It's really almost to the point where um, it definitely outshadows Manhattan at this point because a lot oh, of places, yeah. a lot of the places in Manhattan, you know, went out of business. So, uh, Red Bank is that where uh, Secret Sashes? Yes. Yep. Yes. I got to go there someday. Totally. <laughs> Our connection to Lex and Clerks movie. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I you it's funny you sent that message right when I was like trying to do really like frantic uh research just just to try to like make sure I don't sound like, you know, too ignorant. 
Um, <laughs> but I, it's crazy because I knew I knew that song. And so Lex, for those of you guys out there, is is the bass player of the Matter Reband, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yes. And he's awesome. And the that song that he did for the Clerk soundtrack is like super bass heavy. It's like it's like it's got you can hear a really like strong bass line in that track. Yeah, yeah for sure. There, I wish he was here to tell you, but uh, he, I guess they did the entire soundtrack for the first version of the movie. And then when it got picked up by the movie company, they cut it all and uh, all but one song, I think. And the record company, or I, I guess, was it, was it Sony? What was the company? It was one of the, so, mm-hmm. the big companies and they had a record company. So they wanted to put their artists on the soundtrack. Okay. And Kevin's, Smith fought for their band and was like, no, I want them on the soundtrack. So that's how they got uh, at least one track on there. Yeah. He seems to do a lot for his friends. Like I know he's, he's brought a lot of his, his friends you know, to this day. Sure. Speaking of podcasters, you know, he's, he, he does a ton of podcast stuff. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and Kevin lived in the same town that we're in right now, actually. Oh, okay. So that's how the, like all the connections. Well, that, that whole, um, the one stop from uh, clerks. Mm-hmm. We can where we're sitting right now. We can literally throw a rock and hit it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's crazy. That's very cool. I and then you, if you drive by, you always see people standing out front taking pictures and selfies with, with the one stop. It's so funny. It's like it's this tiny little convenience store that's like it's not the nicest place. It's not like a. Did they leave the "I sure you were open" sign on the front? I, I you know, I, I don't even remember, but probably, um, I th- probably it's, it's exactly as it was in the movie. Still, I used to love that. It's it's, it's just a neighborhood, you know, sort of mini- miniature Seven Eleven kind of thing, but but kind of dingy. <laughs> that 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 movie was that was a great time for movies. I actually worked at a blockbuster back then, and when that movie came out, and Pulp Fiction and all these other things, yeah. it was like this is a whole new world. It's finally the independence, and then music was really cool and alternative back then, and then it changed actually that's that was another question um since you guys have you know, have been in the music industry for a while would do you like it better now where people can be a little more in control of their own stuff or back then when it was all like very corporatized and very i guess i, I want to say studio driven but that's not the word i'm looking for uh label driven yeah i mean it's 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 a definitely a double-edged sword so in one respect you can do so much of the do-it-yourself you know, thing and be in control of your not only your music and your artistic direction, but on the other side, it's like now you're now you're you yourself. Not only are you playing and singing and writing your songs, you're also wearing fourteen other hats of you know that a record company's staff would have done for you. But then I guess if you look at it again, devil's advocate of how much you would have owed the record company. Because that bill keeps running up and up and up and up. So, um, you know, it's, it's in, in today's society, you growing your own audience through touring, you you don't need them, you know. But yeah. it's but you know, it would be nice to be able to just focus on the music. Sure. So it's it's you know it's a double edged sword. But I think what's really still killing us is the fact that everyone's streaming music and screw and really screwing the artists. You know, it's even worse now in that case of, of mailbox money of royalty paychecks. So, um, you know, if anybody doesn't understand that, that's listening to this, you know, the, the, it's, it's less than a fraction of a penny per play for the artist. So 
it, you know, it's, it's that, that whole part is really kind of gone, you know, so you got to, so we got to tour. Yeah. You got to focus on touring and, you know, hopefully touring and merch and stuff like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we talked to, uh, I forget who it was. It was a, a synth wave musician not too long ago. And they said the best thing to do, and this probably for you guys too, buy the album, but then stream it, like buy the album to say thanks and then stream it after the fact, like on the services and you're get kind of doubling up sure. what the bands get paid. You know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the, the cost, the uh, production cost of making a vinyl record might come down. Cause at least that's like, that's something that can't be replaced by the internet, that experience, that audio quality, you know, the physical product and this and that, you know? So since it is selling more than other mediums are right now, that that might be you know something to really go for, but yeah, we'll see. You know, the, the one thing that can't be replaced is the live show, and um, it seems like more and more of our of our friends that are in bands that I've known for years, everybody's out there touring now. So everyone's like, okay, what, what's our next touring vehicle? What, are we getting the trailer? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? So you know, everybody's out there doing it because that's that's what you have to do now, and which which is fine for us because you know the metal reband always was the best representation in a live, you know, setting than it really it was in, in a recorded medium. So, you know, it's a, it's an experience, it's an experience, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy would have said this, by the way, uh, Rob did just arrive. Um, he can't say anything right now because his recording will be way shorter than ours. And we'll, so it'd be the multi-track thing would be weird, but he'll come on in a second. Oh, cool. But if you noticed a random name pop up at the bottom of the screen, that's Rob. I saw Rob. Um, uh, yeah. He always makes a funny name at the bottom just because he's a, pain in the ass but <laughs> um who is it <laughs> yeah exactly uh but jimmy who tried to be on he uh, historically every time when we were in class if i played a live album regardless of what it was he's like i hate live albums i hate live albums and he told me today that he da- that he downloaded or bought or streamed well, i'm not sure exactly i think he streamed it on spotify um your live album and he's like i loved it Wow, he would probably be saying that, <laughs> but he historically does not live albums because he said the quality isn't good enough, and he's actually more of a, a metal metal person. Okay, like Cookie Monster throat metal. Sure. Um, but I mean, you know, when you look at some of the most classic live albums, like Frampton Comes Alive, I mean, that just instantly comes to mind. I mean, you know, sometimes you capture you know magic in a bottle that only happened that one night, and you know, I've, we've since played, of course, the songs on the live, you know, from the Stone Pony record and every time i play it now it's like wow that one night that we played it it was great and now i'm i feel like i'm trying to run to catch up to that same thing again which which it's cool it's it's great for a musician because sometimes you do capture something so special you know yeah that was a really good night i was like the songs in the attic and yeah live too i think the matter reband has now formed <laughs> and i have actually seen you guys play with other musicians we're going to talk a little bit about how those happened Let's. We're going to go ahead and start with Aaron because just the other day, on my television, I saw you. <laughs> oh. Now I wasn't a surprise because I knew you. You had you had posted. Okay. How how did you get hooked up with these Smashing Pumpkins to get on national television? How did that work? Uh, um, one of my friends was he had a connection. He recommended me, and yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> was it like Nothing a tryout process, or was it like? like no. No audition, no, just, hey, this girl is one of, it was me and, and another local girl singer, the uh, brunette that was singing next to me. She's one of my okay. friends. 
he recommended the two of us and they were like, okay, <laughs> no audition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy, the guy that recommended us, I've been friends with him for years. He plays sax in super trip, right? Oh, okay. He's played with a lot of people. He plays, he played with Madonna, like Jimmy, um, Justin Timberlake. He's played all over. He tours all over the world, but he, um, he's a local red bank guy. And he said to them that the two best singers you're going to get in that area were me and Kristen. And how, so from finding out about it to you being on the air, how many, how long did you have to prepare? Uh, I think it was two weeks. Yeah. Tops. Wow. Yeah. That'd be nerve wracking. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't too bad. It was only one song, but what was nerve wracking is like, we were up away on the road in upstate New York. So I had to, we were in the tour bus the day of that show. And I woke up that morning very early because we had to drive all the way to Manhattan and I had no power and no water. Oh, jeez. So it's always something. Yeah. So I found, we were able to go to like one of the houses in the camp we were next to you and I was able to shower. <laughs> That's good. And then I just left my hair wet and hoped for the best. <laughs> And we drove to that to Manhattan, and then uh, I was praying that a hair and makeup girl would show up. <laughs> then also, Matt, I was listening to one of your early albums, and I saw that there was a background vocals by Bruce Springsteen, and I thought it was a clever, uh, like, oh, I have a friend whose name is also Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> How funny! And then, I, and then I listened to it, and I was like. No, that's Bruce Springsteen. How did that happen? Was that like a, a Jersey luck thing? <laughs> well, I paid him. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I've been teaching private guitar instruction for twenty, almost 25 years now. And it's amazing how many people that I've taught where their parents know somebody that knows somebody that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, especially in the tri-state area, because you know it's even though there's a bazillion people here, it's it's the uh, what was that the Kevin Bacon separated by six uh, yes, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, you know, one student to the next student to the next student, and before I know it, I'm teaching Bruce Springsteen's son, and that's how I became you know became friendly with Bruce. Obviously, teaching his kid and. Um, uh, one day I was at the house teaching the son and the son asked if I had any new material I was working on. This has got to be 2010 or 11, something like that. It was quite some time ago. So uh, I had, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. I got a song that, you know, you might dig, you know, so uh gave him a copy of it. And I had no idea that he was going to play it for his dad, which was like, I showed up to the lesson the next week and, and he's like, Oh man, I really like that song that you, that you wrote. And I was like, Oh cool, man. You, you have any constructive criticism, you know, just figuring, you know, he's, he was only 14 or 15 at the time, but obviously he grew up in a house of music. I'm sure he could have some yeah. criticism, you know, some helpful hints. And, uh, he's like, well, I, I don't have any, uh, criticism or, but maybe my dad might because I, I played it for him. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you, you played it for your dad? And he's like, yeah, he, my dad really really liked it. So uh, when I was leaving the house that day, you know, I had run into Bruce as I was leaving. And Bruce was like, yeah, man, I re really like that song you did. 
sounds real good, man. And I was like, every ounce of courage I had, I was like, hey, Bruce, would you be in, into playing on it? And I, I think I caught him by surprise. I don't think he was expecting that as like my comeback, you know? And uh, he, he was thought for a second and he was like, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll do something on it. So it was uh, quite some time before we got a, he got a chance to do it because he was so busy, you know. But uh, eventually he, he, he did it and he sang half of it and then played a guitar solo with me. So it was talking about an unbelievable, you know. That has to be freaking it, awesome. It, it was so cool just to hear his, his take on it and hear him sing a rock song like Rock Rock because he hasn't, doesn't really do that too much anymore, you know. Yeah, true. But uh, the way that he sang it was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I, I wound up redoing my vocal track because I was like, this is so much better than mine, and it should be. Mm-hmm. you know. And it was like, but I, you know, I, I, I can't be slacking off here either. So uh, we wound up re, re, you know, retracking it, and, and that's what came out. That's really cool. Thanks. From what I've heard, he's very cool and He's, he's awesome, you know, and it's it was just always so cool to see him at the house and we would chat about music and and uh, we chat about music equipment sometimes and I'm, I'm a big gear, uh, you know, nerd, really, and, and, you know, and to chat with Bruce Springsteen about, you know, an Echoplex, which is a, you know, prehistoric echo unit for guitar, you know, and it, he's he's always the coolest guy to talk to. He's so knowledgeable and, you uh, He's he's awesome. I can't say I can't say enough good things about him. For I'm sad to say I have not had the chance to see him in concert. I really should. Oh, he, he's tremendous. I mean, four I was, hours. I was going to say that. Like, I, I don't hours. know if I have the stamina to watch a concert, much <laughs> and, less I can imagine. I know I don't. And it's, it's four hours of hit song after hit song. And even if you're not a Bruce Springsteen, you know, you know, listen to him all the time. Like you've heard all these songs, like there's no unless you lived under a rock or in a cave, you, you know these songs and four hours of it. Like, how do you do that? Right. Good luck. <laughs> so the other name, of course, and I feel like you guys are actually between like all of all of you over there are kind of checking off the New Jersey Mount Rushmore Hall of Fame here because you've got uh, you got <laughs> Kevin Smith mentioned, and of course Bruce Springsteen, and the other big name is Bon Jovi. So how did that happen? You went on tour with Bon Jovi, Matt? I did, yeah. It was uh, really, again, back to to teaching for me. Um, how many people I've met, again, once again, through teaching. So I used to teach this lawyer, and he was friends with David Bryan, the keyboard player of Bon Jovi. And uh, they came into my gig one night in Red Bank, of all places. <laughs> and um, I wound up meeting David and became friends with David and, uh, David and his wife Lexi started hiring my band to do parties for them at their at their big mansion and all that stuff. And uh, and then one day uh, they were had a tour coming up, and one of their guitar players decided that he was going to sit this one out, and that uh, John was looking for somebody, you know, if I'd be interested in auditioning. And it was funny because they they were kind of asking me like, you know, would you be interested in auditioning for Bon Jovi? I know it's not really your thing, you know, because, you know, me being, being a more of a blues, you know, Hendrix, you know, Zeppelin guy. But I was like, of course I want to audition. Who who wouldn't? You know? <laughs> Is that a real question? What? <laughs> and I, and I, and they were like, okay, we, oh, we, we were just, you know, as an artist, we were just checking to see if you'd, you'd be interested in auditioning. So anyway, so I auditioned and got the gig and 
and and did the tour with those guys. It was it was awesome. It was life changing, absolutely life changing. Was that the largest crowd? Like the first time you walked out on the stage, was that the largest crowd you'd played to at that point? Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the, probably the largest you know, up to that point might have been a festival for ten thousand or five thousand people. But literally, my last show in New Jersey was a hundred and eighty people because word kind of started to leak out that I got the gig to go do the tour. And everybody was coming down to, to to see me off. And then my next show was in Jakarta, Indonesia, and it was fifty five thousand people. Wow! Do you approach that differently? Like that's that's crazy. Like I try to think about that just in from teaching. You know, like I teach five people sometimes, but if I walked into a room of two hundred and had to talk, I would freak out. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, like, was did you approach it differently? Was it like did you understand like the difference between like a smaller, more intimate gig and like this giant stadium. How did you approach that? It was extremely, no, I don't want to say, I don't know if it was really nerves. It was more the adrenaline and the excitement of, Oh my God, I'm actually finally doing what I've always dreamed. You know, I do, you know, so even back to the beginning of our, of our podcast here talking about, um, you know, how did I know I was going to do this for the rest of my life? And that's what I always had dreamed that I would do. And, I got a chance to to check it off the box, you know. And did, did it feel like That's you think, like you thought it would feel? Oh my god, yeah, it was it was everything that I it was everything I imagined it would be and more, really, cuz it's just, you know, you know, the, the more you started getting comfortable like as the tour went along, you start getting comfortable with that bigger crowd. It's like you start having more fun with it, you know, cuz at first you're like you're scared, you know. I was going to say, was there that one moment in that first show when you walked out, saw the sea of people in front of you and were like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I said a different word than that, but yeah, most likely. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was like, and every time that would happen, you know, like as the shows kept unfolding and, you know, and and people put their cell phones up now as, as old school lighters would be, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I also get think about it was like wow i i wish i had a, a videotape through my own eyes you know feeding back to erin just so she could see what i'm seeing right now like to to see it for yourself yeah. and be in the band on the stage like you, you can't explain that like no matter how many times i tell the story like it you, you have to experience it for yourself and unfortunately most musicians never get a chance to do that you know I, i'm always amazed and I am sort of a completist on things and I'm always like, and Rob probably knows this too. We're like, you know, we, we try to binge as much as possible. We try to see as many of the new shows and movies as possible, but mm-hmm. like, I'm always amazed at how much good musical talent there is just playing at some club or bar. Like, sure, I mean, yeah. like the, the Austin's coffee show. I was, that was some of the best live music and I'm, I'm sort of flattering you guys here, but it was some of the best live music I'd heard in, in a small venue ever. And I was like, I could, I literally could not sleep that night because I was so pumped. Like, that's awesome. That, that, we appreciate you coming you. out. Yeah, like, I was like, but like, there's no one up when I got home. <laughs> so was, I want to be like, I want to talk about music with someone. I have a very, I have a very good friend who was like, he was a drummer in a band in high school. He's been on the show a couple times, but he, uh, he's like my music go to. And if we start talking about music, the the next thing we know, the sun is coming up. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I mean the the hard part for me if there is a hard part was coming off the tour and then, you know, going back to the stone pony and playing, you know, for, you know, I, I, at the time it was 800 people, which is still a lot, but like 
and then going back to you know doing a show where there could be twenty people at like that. It was kind of emotionally difficult, you know. You know, it was like that. That was the only hard part. Was like coming back to reality. I guess was was the best way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but uh, yes, but that that experience, it's it's something I'll never forget. Obviously, it's got to be nice to emotionally affect really any number of people in some ways. That that's that's the thing. It's like that. That's how I was able to get back on track. You know, with the help of Aaron, with Aaron, was you know, it doesn't matter how many people we play for, whether it's one or. 50,000 it's you know you're, you're trying to move those people with music and and you know cheer them up because you, you never know what someone's day might have been like you know they they could be ready to hang themselves you don't know you know so it's something yeah. that, that one song or those couple of notes could have changed you know the course of their of their lives too much like all the people that influenced influenced us have changed our lives too you know i wanted to be Jimi hendrix and if it wasn't for him i might not be doing this so mm-hmm Let's talk about the two new tracks that you guys released. Uh, they were released in July. We we sort of talked about getting you on in July, but again, Hurricane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your your fault. Your guys' fault. My fault. Um, no, Hurricane rescheduling, and uh, honestly, they they gave me far more classes than I've ever taught before in my life. So I've I've basically been a recluse. But <laughs> he has. Yeah. So uh, two new songs came out with July twenty seventh. I believe I saw. Yeah, uh, without you, and was it through time with you? Correct. Uh, so, tell us about that—the process of you know those songs, and you guys have written songs together before, or or is it these the first two? These are really the first two. This really came about with a collaboration of uh, one of the organ players that we play with, named John Ginty, and John's uh, plays with the uh, with the, with the Dixie Chicks and Citizen Cope and. Now he's with the Almond Betts Band, which is sort of a new version of the Almond Brothers, and uh, it was really his idea, you know, to uh, for Aaron and I to, or he was a catalyst for us to finally write something together, and and we wrote it with John, and also uh, with our drummer John Hummel too, um, so it was it was a really nice collaboration. It was nice to write with more than you know two people. You know, it was more of a, a group effort, and uh, we're real happy with the way the songs came out. Yeah. How does that writing process work? I've I've never been party to that. Not being a musician, is it like do the words come out first, or is it like when you're looking for a part in a thing, does someone be like, oh, maybe we should do this or that, or do you guys talk in sheet music or like I'm completely clueless as to how the writing process goes. I mean, I guess the nice part about technology today, especially with iPhones and Apples, um, you know, it's easy enough to record a, a riff or a little part or a lyric on your voice memo and just send it over to somebody. Yeah. So uh, between that and Dropbox, we, we went back and forth quite some time, you know, uh, back and forth with, with ideas. And we did rehearsals, and, you know, that's usually how we kind of flesh things out. But uh, it, it's always different, you know, which is the nice part about writing is that it, it is always different, you know. And we're always trying to look for the best, you know, the best uh, parts that we can come up with. Yeah, I think I had some of the lyrics written beforehand and Matt had part of the music and then John Ginty kind of put some of that together and then we filled in the blanks, yeah. you know. John's also a fantastic producer and he produced these two songs too. Um, and it was it was great work. It was really an absolute pleasure working with him. They sound great. You can, you can you. pretty much listen to them on any of the, the major streaming services, but you all want to buy them. Sure. Buy the track. Every- in buy every possible format that you can, <laughs> and, yes. then buy, and then buy them for your friends, 
and your friends' <laughs> friends. Hey, your, en- your enemies. Yes. <laughs> your frenemies. Yeah, buy them for Rob. Yes. So, well, as you guys know, this is called the Gimme 5 Podcast. And what that Gimme 5 part of the podcast is, is we always bug people with a top five list of their favorite, least favorite something or other. So I'm going to actually split this up and make each you guys answer separately. Oh, boy. Okay. So the way we do this is it's a top five. You guys, you start with five being your uh, the least best favorite down to one, which is your most best favorite. Um, and I think I'll start with Aaron. Oh, boy. <laughs> you think I'd be, I'd be able to explain this better having done it 101 times now. But Aaron, let's – Go with what are who are your top five favorite vocalists? Okay, and you want me to do so five first, which would be like this is my fifth favorite down to one. Who's your number one all time favorite? Uh, okay. Um, there's the three E's. Um, hold on, I gotta think for one second. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, he kind of sprung that on you. <laughs> yeah, did. Normally, we have a little bit of preparation time for this, but... <laughs> I decided to be, a, to be a little mean. And I'm trying to think of, like, the order, too. So, it's... Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, typically, I, I think of five, and then I take the five, and I just arrange them. I'm gonna I, I, I get my five, and then I put it together. Right. Okay, I think I have my five, but it's really hard to put them in a like a, in a five order. <laughs> you could they, you the, could pull a Jimmy and say the these are in no particular order. Why? There's okay. a pretty good chance that the people that you mention are not going to be listening to this podcast. I have a pretty there's a pretty good chance they're probably all dead. Well then they Oh well then you're safe. Yeah, then they might be listening to the podcast. We have, we have a very good listenership in the dead range. So let's see. Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Ray Charles. Oh, okay. Um, Eva Cassidy. That one I actually don't know. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, she's a huge influence on me. I don't know if she's in that. She it might be. She might be up another peg on this list. Uh, Etta James and Aretha Franklin. Nice. And if I had a sixth, I'd say Otis Redding. (laughs) I just read a a think piece about Otis Redding the other day. I did not realize how young he passed away. Yeah, his there's like a live album that he has. I don't know what it's called, but it blew my mind when I listened to it. I just. His voice is ridiculous. Hello, Matt. <laughs> I'm. You're, well, you've probably been sitting there trying to figure out the best guitarist or favorite guitarist, haven't you? Yeah, he went to the bathroom. Oh, like, so, <laughs> so he is. So he is thinking of that. That's what I usually think about when I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> Who are my five favorite guitarists? Wow. Wow. Five, huh? <laughs> I only get five. Uh, then you have to go from five to one. So. So five is my least, and one is my well, favorite. Least of your favorites, yeah. Like. At least some of my favorites. I got them. That's really tough because it, it's easier to go the other yeah, way. Yeah, So, so I have to tell you why, or just give you, you the yeah, list. If you want to do a blurb, that's fine. Yeah. It's- oh, I got you. 
Um, well, five. All right, so I'm starting with the fifth, and now I have so many other guitar players in there that I'm really leaving a lot of people out. We should have five. We should have made this like. Aaron, tell me Matt's five and Matt, tell me Aaron's Do five. like that. What was it? Was it like, like a dating game? No, like yeah, really there we go. That's going to cause I would have guessed his easy. <laughs> Actually, you know, I don't know. Well, let's. <laughs> this, this is really hard. Can I get six? I said six. <laughs> we, our, I'll admit, Rob usually does the uh, honorable mention. The honorable mention. I have done that on numerous occasions. All right. Uh, so my honorable mention, which would be six, if there is a six, would be Jeff Beck. Okay. Nice. Nice. For obvious reasons, and I, you know, I, I never really listened to him that much growing up. But when I finally had a chance to see him play, holy crap! Like he's really the one of the greatest guitar players alive. He really is. You know, he, what he does with the guitar and how he can make it sing. Like nobody else, you know, only Jeff can do it too. Like he's just so unique. Mm-hmm. So then starting with five, I would say Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's influenced me a tremendous amount. And of course you said that you were a blues fan and so am I. And that was really another catalyst that got me down the whole blues road of, of you know, Albert King, Freddie King, you know, John Lee Hooker, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So definitely. Um, I have to say Eddie Van Halen because nice. that was a huge inspiration growing up. And he's still, you know, he changed the, the way people looked at guitar for years and years and years. And he's, you know, not only guitar player wise, but a rhythm player and also a tone junkie. He really, you know, put me on that path. Too. I, I found that children don't understand eruption. <laughs> I played eruption for my kid the other day thinking, you know, he'd like, just the weird tones and stuff like that. And he was like, he hated it, which I thought was very, which was weird. He's like, daddy, what is this? And then I was like, no, trust me. You'll like it when it gets into, you really got me. And he, he did not want that at all, which is a surprise. You know, I mean, he also didn't hear it when it came out in 1978. Either. Yeah. Mind blowing. You know, and I heard it from my neighbor, na- my neighbor had Van Halen one, it had to be 79, I guess, is when I first heard it. And I was only a little kid, and even I was like, I don't know what that is, but that's unbelievable. So so that's Eddie. All right, so number three, I would say Eric Clapton, because Eric has been such a, another huge inspiration. Um, and how he's grown over the years, too. And, you know, talk about another inspiration. Like, even someone of his stature kept getting better and better and better, you know? Yeah. Um, number two, Jimmy Page, definitely. Um, what the song remains the same video I used to rent at Blockbuster. Yep. That's one with the airplanes at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. And how I couldn't wait to get a, a Les Paul at that point. And then, um, and of course, number one is always, always for me, Jimi Hendrix. That is a, that's a strong list. Actually, both of, both of the lists have been strong. I mean, there's there's other people. I, I absolutely love Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Um, Rory Gallagher was another huge influence on me, and so was um, uh, Robin Trower, um, David Gilmore. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's really endless. You know, there's so many people. So that's off the top of my head. But again, you know, there's there's so many other people that that I really you know studied and, and enjoy. 
Um, even down to Ingve Malmsteen, which sounds totally out of character to the other people I mentioned, but his you know contribution to the electric guitarist is still phenomenal to me. I've not seen him yet either. I... He's uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Guys, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. And for all of you guys out there, so I mentioned buying all their stuff. So first of all, all of you listeners out there, immediately go to Facebook and Instagram. Check out the Matt O'Ree band. That is M-A-T-T-O-R-E-E band. Also, go on to any place where you can buy music and buy everything you possibly can. Listen, Watch their stuff on YouTube. There's some live clips on YouTube. It's If they come to your town, which I will post some of the tour stuff on our Facebook page, Give Me Five Podcast, and you know, check them out. It's a fun, fun night. It's always a party. Come on out and hang. Even if you're Rob and you hate fun, you'll still have fun. I do. I do hate fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we again, we appreciate you having us on. And thank you. You know, MattoReband.com is our website, and our CDs are CDs. If you like CDs, they're for sale on our website and T-shirts and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, I can almost guarantee that Greg and I will be there on the 19th. Excellent. Yay. Thanks again to Matt and Aaron. Make sure you check out mattareband.com, check out their music, and go see them if they come to your town. It is a great, fun show, and tell them the Give Me Five podcast sent you. Closing out here with the song Without You, it is another brand new track by the Matt Reband. Enjoy. That's why I'm here for the podcast. It's easy. It's easy to talk about strippers. It's true, especially in Florida. <laughs> <laughs>